0: Welcome to the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Join me for conversations about how to advocate for our kids in a one-size-fits-all world. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hey, Today, I have with me Amanda Yarger. She is a, in business development for TrueFit, which is a company based here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and they create new software products for entrepreneurs and very innovative companies. Welcome,
1: Amanda. Hello. Great to be on the show. Thank you, Emily.
0: I am so glad you are here today for so many reasons, and also, full disclosure, Amanda is an amazing friend, <laughs> uh, and I get the pleasure of interacting with her regularly, both personally and professionally. And her husband is a collaborator on some projects with me. So I get to be um, sort of a pseudo-Yarger family member
1: yep. <laughs> a lot of time.
0: We're all family now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So Amanda has such in interesting and important story to share with all of us. And I have to say it couldn't be more well-timed because Mm -hmm. at the moment of recording this podcast episode, we are talking remotely because we are, as many of us are um, in our homes right now, we are quarantined because of coronavirus and we're on the front end, sadly, of what will continue to be a really serious global pandemic. And Amanda has a long background of homeschooling, which is one of the things I want her to talk with all of us about. Mm-hmm. But we, many of us have now found ourselves to be homeschoolers. <laughs> and I'm in that group. So I'm navigating oh. very new territory and trying to be the best homeschooler um, <laughs> I can be. So uh, this is going to be. Really great to hear from Amanda, and I think we should just dive right in. Can you talk about... You know, your educational experience, speaking of misfit, really was different, I would say, from that, the traditional educational pathway. And you've experienced homeschooling, public schooling. You took a gap years after high school and then went into college and, and you've even remained a misfit in your career. But I'm sure we'll get into all that. But let's just start with your homeschooling experience. What was that like and why were you homeschooled?
1: Sure. So my parents, I tease them that they're always ahead of the trend, but mostly just because they very much like to do their own thing. Both of them super bright, neither went to college, both hated school. And as I learn more about the work that you do, Emily, I realize they are both fiercely independent. They need autonomy. Um, they are, they have to be their own boss. Um, and my dad ultimately started his own contracting company. But around the time, my mom just, at first she said it was, they were having so much fun with us as kids that she just didn't want to let us go. And so they, they kept us, you know, for kindergarten um, and then it led into first grade. And there was a community within our church that had, was doing homeschooling. The, the funny thing is, is that throughout the years, my mom would like, tell other people, don't do it, it's too hard, you know, it's too much work. And I think everyone, everyone, at least from what I'm seeing on social media, is realizing what hard work it is and how much we all love teachers and schools and all that they do for our communities and children and our own sanity. Um, But she, you know, it, it became something that she and my dad were passionate about providing us this education. And I didn't know, obviously, my wiring then and how... I, and I don't know if a part of why I am so fiercely independent um, and love that autonomy is because of the way I was raised up and trained. Um, but I do know that that entrepreneurial spirit that I had and a very strong inner drive served me really well with homeschooling. Um, my brothers were kind of hilarious and their stories are, they, I will let them someday share their stories as well. But I was the typical firstborn, you know, um, would read the cliff notes, would read all the way through to the end of every single book and do great detail. My second brother is just super sharp and bright. And he would do like half the work, but get the paper done and be the shining star in whatever book club or whatever we were in. So um, it was just, it was just funny. It was funny to see how we all interacted differently. For me, uh, my mom did what I now have learned was more of kind of a Montessori method. So we all had different interests. She let us pursue those in some ways, but we did have curriculum and we had um, and we had a set schedule for every single day. So it worked really well for us. I loved it. And then um, I can talk about why I went into my senior year um, and went to a public education system. But homeschooling taught me some wonderful things that have served me really well in my career now. And um, that ability to work on your own, ability to follow schedules and kind of create your own curriculum ended up being really helpful throughout my career.
0: To your point, homeschooling can allow for Those different children who operate in different ways, like you and your Mm -hmm. brothers clearly had different MOs. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like your mom was able to accommodate that in that Mm -hmm. setting, maybe more so or likely more so than the school system is able to do. Right. Yeah, so you did you did get that senior year in public school, right? So contrast for us that experience. And by <laughs> the way, just so we can clue everyone else in on this, you have gone through the strengths assessment that I use as often as I can with mm-hmm. myself, my own family, of course, with clients. And we know from that that you are a gifted innovator, mm-hmm. and you are destined to be a misfit, right? You you. <laughs> You go your own way and you push boundaries, but mm-hmm. in a way that creates new things and big ideas. And uh, you also don't get hung up in all the details. You don't need rigid systems in process. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're not the one to go fix the copy machine per se, right? You imagine solutions and mm-hmm. um, picture how things work and that is. MO, as wonderful as it is, is not always compatible with the traditional schooling approach. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious just for you to share that contrast between
1: homeschooling and public school.
0: What was that like for you? So with
1: homeschooling, I had, you know, obviously more time to spend at the end of the day doing the the subjects that I love. So I love art and reading and did tons of both of those but you still have to take a test at the end of every year the same assessment that they take in the schools and so you have to be proficient hopefully excelling in of all of the different areas math science etc um but even that was really interesting in that when I was homeschooled you you built your own path to get to that end and test Um, within the school system they had a path built for you and you followed it and you all went on the same path Um, that was tricky for me when I trained so I, you know, as a, as an 11th grader, I have always had a deep faith, a very real relationship with the Lord. And I had been praying for friends and my community and I, I truly had a burden to go to my school and share my faith in some way, shape or form. And so I, you know, talked to my parents and they eventually relented and they kind of were like, well, why? Like you love your life. And I said, yeah, I love my life, but I, you know, I want to share my faith. I want to. To engage in the community in that way. Um, so I, so the the biggest challenge for me with the school system was the time. So when I was homeschooled, I could start at nine, get through all my work by three, and then you're done. There's no commuting on the bus. There's no, you know, there aren't these strange classes. And the other challenge was and I read so many books like between the different periods you have this this like 20 minutes of downtime of walking and waiting and teachers starting class so that was challenging for me because I felt I I don't do well with inefficiency I'm like oh, let's just be done like I want to be home we're done um the other interesting thing was I had to take even though I was uh, capable to test into certain um AP courses I had to take like um, typing and three gyms and all of these things that for some reason weren't in my records and the way that they needed them to be. And so unfortunately, I ended up not, I took a few AP classes, but I was not able to take certain classes that I would have wanted to take just for the sheer sake of learning in them. Um, and I found that to be kind of funny. It was like, you have to to check off the, the gym box three more times. So, um, and so that was tricky for me. And of course, again, I like to break inefficient systems and like fix them and innovate. And, um, and then I, the thing I did love, which we did a lot uh, with homeschooling, that was I guess similar, is even more access to all the extracurricular things. I teased my mom because we were never home when we were homeschooled. She had us in, I think, every club, and we were very, very social and truly, you know, involved in a million different things. And so, public, the public school system was similar, and you did a lot of different clubs if you wanted to. You could kind of make your own experience as challenging or as calm as you wanted to. And I always, you know, my husband teases me that I have to have multiple jobs, which is serving me well during coronavirus, because I have um, often worked at home with our kids. And it's not easy to do a full week of that because you're working three jobs and it's exhausting. <laughs> but, but that that hustle, you know, I, I even within the public school system, I was able to, take on extracurricular activities that filled some of the gaps that I couldn't have met because of the structure that they needed me to meet within their, their schedule. Um, so that was fun.
0: Even though you didn't know the, your strengths in those specific terms at that age, I would, I didn't know you at that age, but I would think that you've always been, at least in high school by then, definitely a really good self-advocate. And I've heard you talk about the, uh, uh, your confidence as a family Mm. and how you you kind of joke about that. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about that family trend? And even now it's a little bit of a joke, but in all seriousness, your parents clearly did a good job mm-hmm. of whatever they were doing to raise you and in schooling, instilling this confidence that wasn't based on the situation around you. Mm-hmm. And though I'm, I'm sure there was humility there, too, because mm-hmm. I, I know enough of the values of your family to know that was a part of it. So it wasn't arrogance, but how did that confidence really serve you in those times where you would go into a new situation and you, ne- you had to advocate for yourself?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's. Oh, so my husband calls it the Griffith confidence because, um, it's, it's funny. And all of, all of my, my brother's, um, spouses and my husband have like threatened to form a support group because we're, we're all so confident about every decision, you know, that we come to them with. Um, but, it was a combination. So in one part, you know, my parents had have this beautiful faith. And so there was just a very real understanding of our inner worth and our inner value. Um, And that that so that was the foundation, I would say is it was just, the reality of we had that strong, there wasn't kind of the insecurity that can come with trying to grapple and find out who you are, who you need to be in this world. Um, there was just a real sense of God's love and their love. Um, and they did, they just love, 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 love us. And now it's been fun to see them love, love, love our children and kind of pass that, that excitement over little silly things that we are good at. Um, and the part of the homeschooling is, you know, they, they, parents are just you know your child is you think the best artist the best whatever so when you're homeschooling them you just think they're like you're you have a front row seat as many of us are getting right now to watching that journey unfold and watching your kids hit these milestones and and watching their failures which is hard as parents just hard it's hard to watch yourself fail let alone your child um so they were, you know, they were like big advocates, but they just instilled the sense of you can do anything, you you really can do it, you you have to work really hard. We all, that was one other contrast to being public schooled was when I was homeschooled, I would usually work a job in the evenings my entire high school year, or you had the flexibility to work during the day and then do your schooling at night, so I was working from the age of definitely 12. I mean, we were raised on farms, so we were working from like five years old um, in that setting. But um, I did have a job with my grandparents' auto wrecking business at the age of 15 and got to work in an office environment and learn from them because I was homeschooled and I could do that. I could work daylight hours with them. Um, The Yeah, and so the confidence piece – I, you know, I'm still trying to kind of unpack how they built that into us. But what happened was when I would, when I came to the school system and saw that they had these requirements. And then eventually when I got to college, I wanted, I was older, I had traveled the world. I knew very much what I wanted to study. I wanted to study entrepreneurship and I saw the course load that I would need to take. And I pretty quickly figured out, not great at math, but I figured out that I could i could slam four years into three and i needed to in order to be able to uh, pay for college i was primarily paying it for um, by myself with some help from relatives and um i was there was just this confidence to go in and talk to my advisor and say how do we make this work you know i've been building my own curriculum my whole life let's let's fit these classes, what things do I have to sign up for. I had to fight my way into the honors program because my tests were too old since I'd been out of the system for a while um, and was able truly to invent my own um, focus within the business major on entrepreneurship to make my resume make sense. So that has served me well in my current work in relationship as a relationship manager and business development um at truefit they very much drop you in the deep end and said find clients and find good clients and then figure this technology world out and it was something i did not know i knew nothing about technology when i came there but um daily have the chance to invent and find new ways to create opportunities and find clients and i um again i don't know I know that's part of my mo, so um, it's a really perfect career for me. But I think I could have easily something else we we've talked about. Emily is that I I was always typecast as kind of more of a corporate, very put together, like you you know I came come off as proper from this kind of precious background that I have <laughs> very sheltered, precious background, <laughs> and so I come off as very you know proper, um, and a lot of people said, of course, you're going to go straight to college, and then, of course, you're going to work in a big company, and of course, you're going to do this, this, or this, um, but I'm just so thankful that I ended up in an entrepreneurial environment um, and you know, found my way back to an entrepreneurial environment because I needed that to survive.
0: <laughs> you make a good point, though, because we often stereotype people for um, either their background, their upg- uh, upbringing, mm-hmm. even their personality you know, mm-hmm. oh, you're, you're extroverted. You should be a salesperson right. or you're so sweet, uh, but timid. Maybe you should be mm-hmm. in the back office. Right. And mm-hmm. that's not a productive way of thinking because our operating method, our approach to the world, our instinctual talents are, are completely distinct from mm-hmm. our personality or maybe the way we were taught to do things. Right. And I, love that you get to surprise people in that way (laughs) because if they think amanda yarger is not a wave maker then they've got something coming you know you in the best way you know you you put your talents towards things that are um i would say truly changing the world even in your corner of the world right Mm -hmm. but it you are a change agent and it is true that that's not necessarily obvious if someone just looks at your resume, but if they mm-hmm. understand the whole picture of you and your talents. Mm-hmm. And going back to the thought on confidence, confidence doesn't come from not failing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> confidence comes yeah. from a belief that we inherently have something to contribute. Like you mm-hmm. talked about that self worth, that value that's independent of whether we succeed or fail. Mm-hmm. And I can't say how important enough it is that parents help kids develop that confidence, even Mm -hmm. more so for parents who have kids that don't fit in for one reason or another. In reality, that uniqueness that makes that child a misfit may very well be the core to their purpose in life Mm -hmm. or the way in which they add value. But if they're unable to see it that way, because they have such low confidence around it, the world may not get to see that, or it may take them a very long time, maybe even into adulthood to discover it.
1: Well, and one of the biggest learning life lessons, which actually my meetings with you ended up helping with when I was early in my career, I... I worked at TrueFit for three years, and then I left for a short time to work in a nonprofit. And ironically, even though I left thinking I would have more flexibility and maybe a better fit, because it's something I still care very much about, they match recent college graduates with jobs in the Pittsburgh region, they're building character into students. Um, The work that I ended up doing there was more administrative, which is not uh, my wiring. That's not something that I, I struggle to find, you know, life in that kind of work in ways that other people thrive in it. And, and um, it was more repetitive. So there was a very set cadence and schedule. And then the organization as a whole is very much around shaping kind of a corporate um, student and for success. And so that I didn't realize until I was working there and missing the kind of the autonomy and the creativity and the 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 room where I was constantly inventing and failing and breaking and trying and evolving and inventing. Um, there in this, in the nonprofit that I went to, there was much more like a set. This is what we need done. This is how it needs done. No deviation and let's just get it done. And so it was excellent, um, but it was more of a top down kind of corporate structure, even within a small organization. And so that's something I think to be, to watch for in your kids, um, you know, again, my parents were very, I'm very, very close with my parents. And so they kind of watched me struggle in that and feel exhausted by it. And I, but I couldn't put my finger on it because I should have been loving it. I should have been alive and thrilled and passionate about my work. Um, but instead, I was exhausted and frustrated. And I started to feel very much that I was a failure in my career. Um, and then, I at some point during my first time with a TrueFit, I had taken an assessment of Colby with you, and we had talked. Um, and so, at some point, in feeling frustration and having some opportunities to leave, leave the nonprofit and then go back into tech. I pulled out that assessment and some others that I had taken and tried to say like, who am I and why am I struggling? Why do I hate this this situation? Um, I love the people and I love the cause, but I'm something about the way I am working is not, I'm not feeling alive. And so whenever I looked at my Colby and some just kind of my, my passions, I realized that I needed that autonomy. I needed to essentially have my own business, which is what you do in sales. And I loved the diversity of clients we work with at TrueFit. I loved the the challenge and the complexity and just the ever evolving landscape of technology. So that was something I remembered thinking, I would felt so alive in that job. And so thankfully, as, you know, timing and life happens, they ended up having an opening and I went back to TrueFit and it has just been fun. It has just been a really wonderful season. Um, definitely challenging. <laughs> it is extremely hard. You know, sales is extremely hard um, and you're, and technology never stops changing. but it's so life-giving and it doesn't feel like work it feels just like a fun challenge that i get to go and do
0: i hear that all the time from parents where they say i just want my kids to be happy okay. and so hearing you say that you know it's challenging which we hope work is also that <laughs> yeah. but it's fun right and i know that the folks listening want that for their kids mm-hmm. and admire the fact that you fought for it and you fought for doing it in your own way What would you say to parents who just had their son or daughter come up to them and say, hey, mom and dad, I don't think I'm cut out for college or I'm not cut out for corporate America?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's so tricky. So I did do a three year a, a two two years and nine months of, of nonprofit overseas missions work in almost every continent, uh, At starting at the age of 18. My parents, again, did not, they hated the school environment, so they were not pushing me towards college. But I did have family members who saw talent in me and saw potential and um just had a heart for me to go to college. And so from the time I was four years old, I remember my aunt and my great grandma just just... Telling me you have to go to college when you get older. I remember being four years old and be like, whoa okay, that's a lot of pressure." Um, and so, of course, you know the the, the uh, counterculturalist that I am, I I did something else for a while. But I was searching. I was very practical. At the age of eighteen, I was extremely practical and mature. And um, I said, "Look, I don't know what career." I would pursue in college and I cannot waste that money and I don't have that money for one thing I can't spend that money if I don't know what I'm supposed to go for I'd much rather you know find a career first and I had been working with my dad's contracting company roofing and so I was making really good money there so it was kind of like I you know I have this buffer and if I if it's about money I can do that more I like I liked doing it um And a friend just called out to me and said, hey, you love, like, I've never seen, I haven't seen someone so passionate about their faith. There's this missions organization. I ended up traveling, you know, to Mongolia and China and Africa. And my poor parents were, it was a a rough, you know, experience to have your your child disappear for three years all over the world in dangerous places. But in Africa, one of the last countries I traveled to, I had just gotten to a point of leadership. I was leading a team. It was a wonderful mission, really hard, but wonderful experience. And I worked with a nonprofit called hands at work that teaches, um, that, invest loans in entrepreneurs through the local churches, and trains up entrepreneurs and gives them a way to start a business and lift their families and their communities out of poverty. And I had been working in so many nonprofits that had tried so many different things for three years at that point. And I said, this makes sense to me, you know, my whole family are, they're all entrepreneurs, this model makes sense. It's a way to empower people and not make them feel like they're the object of charity, but let them truly lift themselves out of poverty. And so at the same time, you know, God very much put on my heart and I went kicking and screaming to apply to college when I got back to the States. And I, you know, I kind of just said, I'm not going to get in. I don't, it's been so long. I'm like, it's been three years. Um, Got into Geneva College and then had an opportunity to study international business there and ultimately now work with companies who are inventing new things in every industry with a company who has a real passion to build software that makes the world better. Um, So the through line, I can now see as I look back. But for my parents, it would have been really scary. You know, if they had this, if they were diehard college or bust, that would have been a brutal three-year detour. (laughs) Um, And it was hard on them for other reasons. But um, thankfully, they... They saw that gift and passion in me, and they saw that I. They knew I was very driven. I was, you know, working and acquiring skills and learning leadership lessons that serve me so much even now. Um, so none of it was a wasted time. So I think my big advice would be: if they were saying like, "I just want to sit on your couch and watch Netflix for three years," <laughs> that's one thing. Um, if they if they have a if they have found a program or a leadership something or they want to start their own business. Um, My husband and I are setting aside money for our kids so that they can either go to college right away or they could start a company or they could do something similar to what I did, Um, but we're not going to tie them to a set path that we want for them. We are going to require that they be responsible with that, Um, but we know enough about ourselves to know that if they're anything like us, they won't follow kind of a set traditional track.
0: I love that the one size fits all approach didn't work for you, and mm-hmm. you're not forcing that on your
1: kids. Mm-hmm. But and they may it, decide to go straight to college, and that's
0: fine. <laughs> but, right, right. There's nothing wrong with college. Yeah, no. Except when we force everyone to go into that model, mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of pain, and stress, and strife, and interfamily conflict. Because a child who really wasn't ready for, mature enough, or frankly, Mm -hmm. just cut out for college, be forced into that experience. To your point, that was a really expensive exercise Mm -hmm. for someone who may or may not have gotten value out of it or might have even become bitter because of it. Right. I love that you can speak to both sides. You did Mm -hmm. the not college right away and Mm -hmm. you did do life experiences. You did not just a gap year, but three years. Mm then you went to college and I, you know, I think a lot of parents worry about this gap year concept Mm -hmm. because they're afraid maybe they'll never go back to college and Mm -hmm. maybe they won't, you know, maybe, maybe that happens, but you're a neat example of how that made your experiences in college even better. And then your career experiences even better. And it comes back to that confidence.
1: Yeah. 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 That confidence and just a sense of, drive like I did have one I had one career coach say a career development officer at college say you are so driven you will make the wrong career work and so I think that's something to watch for in your you know your oldest child your type A's that they could be so driven that they would make the wrong career work and so you know guarding helping to guard them from again my parents are they're like feisty about you know what they can see in us and they can see whether we're thriving or struggling. Um, and definitely they let us struggle and we all worked hard and I failed a lot in different ways. Um, but having you know loved ones and people around you that call out your strengths and call out what you're truly gifted for and built for is so important to someone and not just someone kind of saying, what you're bad at. It's really helpful to have honest critique and I seek people out still to this day who will give me honest feedback. Um my husband is really good at honest feedback in hilarious but very honest way. Um but that those are invaluable too. Also though having people who will help advocate for you when you can't even point out in yourself what's wrong, like what's challenging or why you're struggling.
0: Yeah. And parents of even younger kids who find themselves as misfits in one way or the other. Mm. The parents are on the front lines of advocating for them. Yes. Thanks for sharing your story with all of us today, Amanda. I know there is so much encouragement that I got from this and I'm sure others have as well. And just neat little practical strategies of how to not only raise our kids, but encourage them to move through their educational and then career path in a way that best fits them.
1: Yeah. I'm so excited. I Yeah, always happy to talk to people about what they're trying to figure out with their kids.
0: (laughs) Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Mothers of Misfits podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We also invite you to visit us at mothersofmisfits.com.